Hi, my name is Paul Dunay, and welcome to another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast. Welcome to another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast. I'm your host, Paul Dunay, and today I'm speaking with Romy Mahajan, the CMO of Ascentium. So welcome to the podcast, Romy. Thanks a ton, Paul. No problem. So today, Romy and I are going to explore the idea of sincere marketing in this age of distrust. So first, Romy, let's start with your definition of sincere marketing, see if it matches up to mine, and then we'll sort of take it from there. Paul, thanks. I mean, I, obviously, definition of terms would be a good thing, right? Yeah. The funny thing about sincere marketing is it actually means exactly what it says, which is, which is ironic in its own way, isn't it? Um, which is that marketing too often promises something and delivers something else. Mm. And my view of marketing is that you must promise what you will deliver and be incredibly clear the limits of which, uh, the limits of, of what your product or service actually uh, 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 performs. So right. uh, when I mean sincere marketing, I actually mean to take the word sincerity, add it to marketing, and to say ultimately that um, the worst thing that you can do to your customer, and frankly for yourself and for your customer, is to actually make promises that are not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. marketing too often, too often, um, um, is, is, uh, is the culprit in that, in, in that sort of bait and switch. Oh, totally agree. Now, do you think it's more of a B2B, B2C thing? Is, is there any, are there more culprits in B2B than B2C? You know, I think that, um, I, I, I don't know in terms of statistics, but I would say by and large, the culprits are, um, are, are on both sides of the, of, of the fence, right? So, so products that, that say they'll transform your business mm-hmm. or um, uh, diet pills that tell you that you're gonna, they're going to give you a new outlook on life, right? Yeah. These things are, are simply insincere. They're disingenuous. And when times are good, of course, um, people tend to overlook their recourse when they actually don't get a fulfilled promise. When times are bad, they will take recourse because the economic cost of recourse is something that is, is lower than the expected value of return when you do take recourse. So I think it's incredibly important Right. And, and along the same lines, B2B, B2C, services, product, it, it, there's an equal number of both folks, you know, that are being insincere in their promises and services as there is in product, right? I would assume that's a fair statement. Absolutely. So then, so where do we go from here? I mean, is it critical for marketers to consider being more sincere? If so, how? What is our prescription for, right. you know, making it better? So a couple of things. I just, I have to make sort of one, one, one fairly bold statement before I jump into that, which okay. is, it's, um, it's ironic that in a time when differentiation is, of course, supposed to be the key to, being, um, to having a good product or service, i.e., how am I different, everyone has gone towards basically making the same hyperbolic statements about the product or service, thereby creating a homogenization mm-hmm. right, of, of marketing. Right. So what, the reason that we have to now be sincere is, first of all, we truly do need differentiation. I need to understand... Um, why a particular product meets a particular need and isn't there to change my life, for instance, right? Furthermore, I touched on it earlier, which is, again, in abundant time, people uh, might recognize that a particular product or service doesn't meet um, the promise. However, they don't act upon that because it's simply not worth the time and money to act on it. For instance, you buy a product that that promises something, it doesn't deliver it, do you take the time to return it, right? Mm -hmm. Is the is the opportunity cost of that in excess of the money you'll receive back. Well, there are two things. 
first of all, when money's tighter, people will uh, will strive to get the eight or twelve or eight thousand or twelve thousand dollars back. But furthermore, their perception of the value of that money is higher, and therefore they will they will take a recourse in ways that they didn't before. And so I think in keeping with uh, the two points, one is we have to move out of homogenization, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two is, given tough economic times, the idea of sincerity is going to uh, be, um, be in currency. And I believe that um, when people think about uh, customers, they have to think about those customers as, as, uh, as people and citizens first. And, of course, in those modes, you always believe that sincerity would work. Right. I mean, I, I like it as a, as a good antidote in this time, right? Because the market is quiet, right? We can analyze the difference between certain companies, right? So in my field in professional services, we see these grand, grandly eloquent, you know, communications about new paradigms and synergies and leveraging capabilities with next generation, blah, 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 for a multipolar world, all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And, and at, I mean, now more than ever before, it's like, Wow, does that just reek of you know marketingisms? You know, it it just it's it's too much. Yes, no, I I absolutely agree. Right, I mean, um, again, it's it's hyperbolic, it's disingenuous. Um, it, it creates a bunch of sameness. I mean, and frankly, it doesn't tell you anything about what a cust- a company might offer. Right, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually tell you that if you have a specific micro identity, right, to which um, you need some for which you need some fulfillment in some way that a product or service might meet the needs of that micro-identity. Instead, people look at macro-identities. They try to, they try to uh, say that there is one thing called Romy Mahajan, right? right? And that they will transform Romy Mahajan by buying a car, buying an iPod, buying a uh, bottle of Fiji water, etc. Instead, mm-hmm. just say, hey, Fiji water, it'll, slake, it'll, it'll, help, uh, it'll help slake your thirst. Right. Oh, boy, that's, that, that might work. And I might buy it for that because all I'm looking to do is to slake my thirst, right? I'm not looking for transformation. Right. So are there examples of this before we get to sort of a prescription here? We might want to hammer out a couple of examples of, you know, where we think, you know, there's sincere marketing that's either led to greatness or insincere marketing that's led to some real trouble. Yeah, you know, um, I can uh, let me give you some generic examples uh, w- with the hopes of not, you know, um, castigating any particular company because so many people do it. I certainly don't want to seem that if I name a name that, um, of course, that, 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 that I'm making a, a unique attack on a specific company. Sure. But think about the whole trend of, of personal beauty, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then look what Dove did, yep. right? And, um, and Dove obviously said that beauty inheres in a person and that any sort of shape, size, color you are, you can be beautiful. Right? On the other hand, most beauty products, most uh, diet pills, most magazines that, that are focused on, on the human aesthetic promise things that, uh, that are simply um, unlivable, un- untenable, right? that will all somehow look like models or that uh, popping a simple pill will, will uh, divert the normal human craving for food um, and sugar and fat. Right and into oblivion. Mm-hmm. And those things simply have been called short, and people see them for what they are. I mean, at least to the most part, right? I mean, they're, they're, for the most part, I mean, there are people who, who of course, still are, um, are believers in that. Now, take a, 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 an interesting, subtle example of, of what's both good and bad. And I will pick on one company here, but I think generally in a good way, I'll, I'll comment on them. Take, take Apple. Yep. So the, take the iPod and, and, the, and the huge uh, you know, predominance of that in the, in, in, the, in the personal music market. 
Well, what the iPod really offered is, it's not so much just a, de- a device that plays music, but it offered people a chance to be their own little personal rock star, right? <laughs> you're, on a, you're on a subway, and you've got the little white uh, wires down, and, and you, just, you feel like you're a different person. And to some extent, when people are caught in their own world, they do feel that, right? So there's some level of sincerity in that, that for the brief moment, when you're running on a treadmill and listening to your iPod, you feel like you could fly, <laughs> yeah. right? But then when you come back and you look at the number of calories you burnt and you realize you'd have to, um, running an hour is like eating four apples and that, you know, it, it, or, or one Hershey bar, it's, it actually becomes pretty tough, right, uh, when reality hits you. And so I believe very strongly that um, we should simply do what we purport to do, no more, no less. Hmm. Okay. I like it. All right. So if we're to give an antidote for the folks who are listening and and i do believe in this you know economic climate and even after that because we're sort of on a collision course with this i mean there's you know the the amount of differentiation that that people are trying to pour in their brands in order to you know make that statement just isn't working it almost has to right. be like a simplification i mean i almost would think that there's an element of simplification here yes no i think there is right so first of all you know when you say give me give me some prescription uh, yeah. prescriptive go do so first of all, I would say take a look at um, any copy you have for, for advertising or marketing and excise every grand statement from it and, and simply uh, uh, substitute something very simple, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's, that's sort of one step. Second of all, truly have a reckoning with yourself whether that pr- your product or, or an equivalent could have the effect on you that you're saying it will have on the potential buyer. And if you find a dissonance there in your heart of hearts, right, then, then immediately work to change things. Now, what I will say is I'm not, a, I'm not naive. We live in a real world. We live in a world, the world of business, in which you're both uh, flying the plane and building it at the same time. Um, you know, when, in the, in the, in, when you think about uh, business, you think about I must, as I transform a company or change a company or, or even somewhat incrementally better a company, you still have to make revenue. So my suggestion is, don't go whole hog. Mm-hmm. Try campaigns that are more sincere. Maybe run them alongside things that, that are normal. See right? how they, the, the normal see, how they see which one works. Yeah. Right? See which one is better for you. I could, extre- I could be incredibly wrong. Right? I, I could be, it could be that sincerity, in fact, looks too, too unctuous or too, too condescending or too presumptuous or simply is unbelievable and people try to find the insincere part of sincerity because we have, yeah. we have for so long so long muddied these waters as marketers and as industry that it'll take some time. But I'm going to really suggest that take 10% of the money you have, 10% of the resources you have, and put it on doing something that's simply sincere and, um, and see how it see works how it out. performs. Great. Yeah. Okay, so we've got exercising the grandiose statements, and I would almost say the statements, not just to remove them and replace them with, with terms, but they're terms that, that the customer would recognize. I also think there's a corollary to that because I see a lot of websites still these days, and to a certain extent, I, I sort of run afoul of that you know, here at Bearing Point, where it's built from showing the internal view out as opposed to yeah. the external view in, right? Yeah. And, and I've moved to more of a let's show here are the pain points that we solve, and these are how we solve them, but we still end up you know, circling around into that you know, okay, well, we call it this three-word acronym, you know, soup, and then it sort of devolves from there. No, you're right. So I'll, I'll tell you something about what we do at Ascentium, right? Okay. At Ascentium, um, 
in, in many ways, we are uh, we're a leading digital agency. You know, we're a fairly large company. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of work that helps uh, companies be better, um, help them market better, help them actually connect their sales and marketing efforts better than they did before. As you know, uh, Paul, we also deploy um, the Microsoft CRM and mm-hmm. uh, and business intelligence. Yep. One of the things that I um, I believe very strongly is to say that, yes, we do work towards helping you change your business and transform it, but we will not transform it for you, yeah. right? Uh, first of all, we have no power to do so. Second of all, um, in many situations, we're working with companies so far uh, larger than us and so much more complex that we are one of many uh, vendors, companies, partners that helps them change the way they do business. Mm. I would much rather hear, and of course, I myself worked at Microsoft for eight years. I was on the, on the customer side. I always preferred people that came to me and said, look, I understand that there's this micro problem you're working on. I can connect it in some ways to the bigger issues, but here's the piece I can solve for you, right? It becomes very bounded, right. very finite, very, uh, very discreet, but also big thinking enough to say that it would be portable to a bigger situation should, should, should the needs arise, budget arise, and so on. And so on, right? Yeah. And so it, it's just—it's a matter of injecting honesty into what we do, Paul. And I think um, I've always enjoyed my conversations with you because you—because uh, you've always been had a very, very prosaic view of of the potential of marketing, um, and 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 I share that. Um, I think we have a long way to go, but again, I'd I'd really like to err towards uh, more towards uh, the sincerity side instead of the sort of uh, snake oil side. Great, excellent. So we've got three key points for our listeners. Take a look at your copy. Take a look at your advertising. You know, exercise those grand statements out of there. Take another look at your website. Sort of same sort of thing, inside out or outside in. Take another look at that. And the dissonance between your product and the competitor's product or similar product, I think as you were saying, you know, looking for, you know, can you stake that claim or is that claim that you are putting out there, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know, valid and would you go with that? I think those are great actionable items. Um, I want to thank you for joining me today, Romy. I really appreciate your time. And for our listeners, now it's your turn. Please let us know what you're doing around uh, Sincerity Marketing and uh, how you're uh, willing to share any secrets with us. We'd be glad to keep this conversation going with you online. And we'll be back again next week with another podcast. So thank you for listening. And, Paul, I can sincerely say I had a great time. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Thanks so much, Romy. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to having you back next week on another Buzz Marketing for Technology podcast.